Simon Pegg is writing Star Trek 3, The Search for Scripts. George Lucas has no interest in sci-fi. The Ghostbusters remake is on its way, and some words have been copyrighted. None of those words are the airwaves. gyms have thinned out, the tax bills have been paid or avoided, and the birds in the garden are beginning to organise. It's February! And it's the Airwaves, the show that looks very much like a podcast about movies, TV, radio books, podcast streaming, and anything else we feel like talking about with me this week to chew it all over, fresh from his thoroughly successful first outing as a as, as a as a as his own podcaster. Should have thought about that before I said it. Alex G. Fox, how are you doing, mate? Uh, I was wondering for a second what Tone had been up to. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Thank you for your almost kind words about my attempt at a podcast. <laughs> I was just attempted to be kind words, yes. And um, yeah, thank you for letting us uh, hijack Airways for the, um, right. the, uh, for the week. I hope we did you at least slightly proud. <laughs> yeah, it's all very good. Uh, like you say, tax has been paid. Excellent. You know, another twelve months before I get in a panic again. Yeah, uh, I hate I hate the tax. Nothing to do with the money. It's just do the getting around to actually doing. It's it. always the self assessment yeah, panic. Yeah, it's like that. Oh, do you mind? I remember. Uh, I, sorry, Karen. No, no, no. It's the same. I just I can't stand the having to fiddle around and doing it. And me originally partly uh, trained. I was an MAAT back in the day. Really. Member of the associate, accounting, what's accounting it Association of Accounting Technicians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can yeah. see why I didn't carry on doing it. I remember one year, it was, the first, it was the first year I decided to fill it out online, and there was a bug in the system. It was lucky that I had actually got, I got all my numbers, all my figures, all sorted out, and what I did, I just bunged it all in, posted it, done. And a couple of days, uh, a couple of days later, I found out that there was a bug in the system, that some people had actually logged into their accounts, put half of the tax return in, Saved it, come out, and they couldn't actually log back in again. Oh, no. There was an email that went around. This is sorry, you won't actually be able to log back into your tax account before the deadline of 31st of January. So, oh, good luck with I that. Do, I do remember that. Yeah, I do. They had to extend it, didn't they? They said yeah, no one was going to get a fine. Yeah. I mean, this is really interesting, but yes. Yeah. So, anyway, that's done. Uh, podcast is done. G plus community's up. Website's bought. This, that, and the other, all ready to go. Now, all I need to do is work out how to create content. Great stuff. Well, well, I'm sure we'll hear more about that uh, as as we go through uh, through the weeks and months to come. But last but not least, fresh from his <laughs> move halfway across Nottingham to uh, to a place with uh, considerably better internet, much more um, apparently much more, so. Yeah, yeah, much, much more, more light as well. By yeah, a lot more light. He's not sitting on a bed anymore. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I've actually got a chair that's supporting my back. Ah, brilliant. It's Tony it's, Blunt. It's heaven. <laughs> How you doing, sir? <laughs> like, uh, well, I think we're covered up a lot better, you know. Good. I've, you know, still still some bits to sort from the move, but, you know, Mate, I'm mostly settled here. in now. Mm. I've been here 14 years and there's still bits to sort out from the move. 
Don't say that. I've got crates yeah. and crates here. You know, oh, uh, I'm thinking next time I move, all the boxes that weren't open from the previous move, I'm just leaving in the loft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need that anyway, so that's fine. Yeah. I've no idea what's in them. They might be priceless stuff that I've completely forgotten yeah. about. But there's my last place. Yeah. Last place I did that, and I'm pretty sure that's where I left my BBC Micro. Ah. So. Yeah. Oh. Do you know, I wouldn't go up in the roof right now because the weather is really cold at the moment, isn't it? Oh, it's blooming bitter. It I mean, I know, we, I, don't, I know we don't normally talk about the weather. No, but no. I mean, hell. I mean, I know we haven't got, what they call it, snowmageddon or something. Oh, like something like that, yeah. The no. weather bomb. That was yeah. supposed to hit about a month ago, wasn't it? Terrible. Yeah, but I know we're not used to it. And, you know, let's face it, we're nice people. We don't deserve cold weather. No, quite. Or hot weather. We just like this temperate zone. Yeah. Yeah, but at least it's not raining. Indeed, it's all good. And have you noticed, it actually seems to be daylight until like an almost reasonable time. Yeah, it's brilliant. I walk out of work at about ten past five, and there's some blue in the sky. Amazing. And, you know, when you get up in the morning, you can almost don't need to put lights on if you mm. get up. About, oh, unless you're Carl, and he gets up in the middle of the night anyway, so you, mm. what do you expect? But Or me when I'm on earlys. When yeah. you're on earlys. Brilliant. Yeah, out, out there at five o'clock in the morning. When yeah, it's but still, I mean, I mean, you put, up in the morning, not yeah, you know, yeah. not in the middle of the night. You got to put your ice skates on in the morning, Tone. These days, yes, very yeah. nice. And a wetsuit. Yeah, ice skates. Yes. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was. Go on, tell us your story. Tell yeah. us your story. Tell Tone. us the story. What about about my trip into the local canal? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to a local um, ruffian, shall we say, on a bike. Uh. Yeah, because yeah, well, it was a, it was I had it all planned out. It was a glorious new walk, you know, new route to walk to work. Mm. You know, scenic along the canal, and basically the first night I did that, somebody ruined it. Yeah. I ended up at work, you know, absolutely soaked. Although I did find out I can fit into much smaller clothing than I thought from that. <laughs> so there's an upside. There you go. There you go. Brilliant. Keep on smiling. And I didn't drown. <laughs> there we go. Well, so you can fit into smaller clothes and you can swim. I'd call that a bonus. Yes. He did you a favour. And with that, let's move on to the movies. Simon Speaking Pegg. Favors. Yeah. Sorry? Speaking of favours on this Speaking, first story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Pegg to co-write Star Trek 3 this story from the BBC.co.uk Simon Pegg will co-write the next Star Trek movie after the original screenwriter left the project Robert Orsi who was also slated to direct Star Trek 3 pulled out last month reportedly after disagreements over the script Orsi who co-wrote the last two films in the series <laughs> has been replaced in the director's chair by Justin Lin best known for the Fast and Furious movies <laughs> it's better and better uh, Peg has taken over scripting with the help of TV writer Doug Young. I assume it's Young. Uh, the 44-year-old will also reprise his role as engineer Montgomery Scott in the franchise, which was successfully relaunched by director J.J. Abrams in 2009. Film company Paramount still hopes to meet the scheduled release date of July 2016. Now, Tone, fan though you are of uh, some of, the, well, most of the output from Mr. Peg, um, mm. how do you feel? I mean, he's a, he's a big Star Trek fan, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, th- this will be the difference between this and some of the other reboots we've had where they'll get people in who know nothing about the original mm. you know, to come in and write it and so on, whereas Peg, you know, no- knowing what he does of the originals, that usually is a good thing. It's like when you get something remade by the original creator, sort of as a do-over. Mm. Mm. You know, that tends to actually work quite well. Yeah. Um, but... At the moment, it's all being lost in a forest of reboots, restarts, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, which we're going to 
But, we well, will move on yeah. to another reboot in a minute, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, another much loved uh, thing from childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cost- yeah I don't know, Peg. He's written, he's done some good writing himself for other things like you know with Shaun of the Dead and so on. Mm. So, good comedy writing, but has he written? Yeah, has he written anything sort of serious or? Um, not really. But then again, you know, there are enough. Even if you look at Spaced, yes, it was comedy, but they had the, it certainly had the drama moments. And if he is co-writing, that means someone else can yeah, he can be more of a consultant, I suppose. Yeah. It 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 sounds like it would be good if if he provided the um uh, See. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually gonna say And sharpen the pencils. I think that's the best thing he could do. <laughs> I was gonna say, right. Provide no, I was gonna say, provide no, no, the no, heart. In here. Provide the Star Trek heart and soul, whereas Doug Young will um will provide uh, the words. Will provide yeah, he'll action, he'll actually do the, the, the donkey yeah, work. The writing down. Alex, I want to begin know your character assassination. You, yeah, exactly. I wanna know how many people you have to ask that say no before you end up with Simon Pegg. <laughs> yes, quite. You know, I mean, he's almost last pig on the clothesline. He really yeah, is. Yeah. Hey. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure it's ridiculous, but they, if he's going to write it, they might as well get Dusty Bin rather than Justin Lin to uh, direct it because it ain't going to make no difference. No, I mean, I'm not an amazing fan of him as a human being. Um, no, I'll just pull my punches. I'm sure he don't like me either. But um, not a problem. I've... I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, look, it's Star Trek three, right? You've had two of them, and was any of them any good? The first one was meant to be all right, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the second one, if you can sort of get past the fact that it was basically two previous movies mashed together. Yeah, <laughs> um, my because, advice is not because to... there were good ideas there, but it was probably the way it was all packaged together. There were there were little glimmers of good ideas in both. Yeah, like they twisted a scene from the Rafa Khan for the last one. As as you say, like I mean, he he, um, what's his name? Simon Pegg. He is a fan and all the rest of it. I I I don't know. I mean, when you're writing one of these things, surely you want something new. Um, Otherwise, why not write the old one? Yeah, but it's partly. I don't know. Are they worried about the Star Wars type thing? Someone came along. Well, they didn't come along, but the 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 next set the the prequels mm. weren't similar, similar enough to what we call the original. I wish they'd have done these things in order. It'd be a lot easier. But the prequels <laughs> weren't the same to the original three, so people didn't like it. And so people may have started falling in love with Star Trek. So they said, oh, let's get someone in that knew the original Star Trek. Well, first of all, you need a writer. I mean, this is what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> it seems to me that they want to stick a name on it so they stuck some egg on it. Mm. He knows something about the original Star Trek. But they've also got someone in that actually knows how to write and knows how to make a story. And uh, so I don't know. It seems to me like one of these, um, you know, when you've got this figurehead at the top of some company that, you know, like Richard Branson doesn't really fly planes, drive trains, or come around the fixed version. You know, <laughs> doesn't but, fix I mean, your fact, broadband. No. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know what he actually. I think he might have something to do with the airline, but it has absolutely nothing to do with any of the other companies at all. It, it's a so name. They've all been sold off now. Most of them haven't they? You know, yeah, but they were, they were only got the name, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's all they ever were. You know, he had a record shop and I think he doesn't actually had hands on dealings with very much after that. Mm. And, uh, this is sort of what it stinks to me of. It's like, Oh, well, uh, um, we've made a real mess of this 
people have left left, right, and centre. You know, JJ Abrahams, who originally did it, has gone. Oh, sod that! I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, so they get someone else in. He goes, actually, this is a poison chalice. I'm not doing it. So they've just gone. Oh, look, what can we do? Uh, we can't get Richard Branson, so let's get Simon Pegg. You know, it's that type of. Uh, let's just stick a name on it and see what happens. Yeah, I, 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 I have, I have high hopes. As I say before every damn Star Trek film release, <laughs> but I have a feeling that in, you know, in in a year or. Yeah, you know, July, July next year. I think we're going to be standing around the podcasting table, metaphorically speaking, of course, all wishing that they'd just gone back to the person who had who had written the now second, well, actually third worst, third to worst um, Star Trek film, Star Trek Five. Perhaps they should have asked William Shatner to write this one. So, if we, <laughs> if we, if we could, if we carry on, there'd be a lot of. Pregnant pauses. There will be a lot of pregnant pauses. Ghostbusters female lineup confirmed. BBC.co.uk once again bringing us the story this time. Bridesmaids co-stars Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy are to reunite in the all-female Ghostbusters sequel. Its director Paul Feig has confirmed Saturday Night Live comedians Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon will join them in the film, Feig announced on Twitter. Feig, who also worked with McCarthy on 2013's The Heat, went on to confirm it would be released on the 22nd of July 2016. So right about the time we'll all be disappointed in the new Star Trek film. Bill uh, Murray... after, I think. If, if it, mm-hmm. Well, that's equally the longest day of the year. Yeah. <laughs> is it? I suppose it is. Yeah, the 21st is the equinox, but the 22nd is the same length. All right. Well, God, I'm boring, aren't I? Meanwhile, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis and Ernie Hudson played the Ghost Hunting Quartet in the 1984 original. Uh, directed by Ivan Reitman, the film made almost 300 million, that's 198 million at the global box office. A sequel, Ghostbusters 2, followed five years later. Plans for a follow-up have been mooted ever since, but appeared to have been scuppered by Murray's reluctance to sign up for it, among other things. And Harold Ramis died. I was going to say, Harold Ramis passed away, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Tony... amazing, isn't it? You could make $198 million now just by selling it to Netflix. Yeah, pretty much. Well, in fact, you can probably spend $198 yeah. million on the first really? series of House of Cards. Yeah, I mean, when you consider the original, it was actually sort of fairly low budget compared, oh, to, the, yeah. compared to the idea they wanted to create. Yeah. Right, talk about the interesting thing. I always had a theory, mm. right, that it was it the Axel Foley. Who did the original... Um, oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Hills Cop. Yeah, no, sorry. So who did the original uh, music for Ghostbusters? Ray Parker Jr. It was Ray Parker Jr., sorry. I reckon that is what made Ghostbusters. I think it was a good film, and I think, Mm. but I think that music was so, such a... It's become iconic. But it was, the music was, you know, it's the same theory. I know it's got nothing to do with this. I've got about Friends. I reckon Friends wouldn't have taken off if the... The theme tune hadn't become a smash hit before it ever mm. took off. And that band sank without trace for soon after, actually. Yeah, but yeah, the words one hit wonder come to mind. Yeah. Were, yeah. 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 But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this. Tone, you probably care. Yes, you're yeah, a resident I, Ghostbusters expert. I'm more, I'm more bothered about the fact that it's a reboot than sort of any of the cast. Um, I don't really know any of these names, to be honest, so I can't really judge them based on... Well, I've heard of Kristen Wiig. 
uh, and I've heard Kate McKinnon's name bandied around. Yeah, I mean, I mean, being involved in Saturday Night Live gives you a certain sort of credibility. I mean, I've heard I of all of them, but that was only because you read them out two minutes ago. Yeah. Now, you say reboot. Does that mean they're taking the original premise and remaking it for Yeah. So this will be four ladies that start a little agency to cut, yeah. catch ghosts. So it's not a carry. Uh, a no, carry it'd be, it'd be like series. Star Trek and, and it'll join the sort of the, the forest of the other. But do they series. need to keep the same storyline or is it just a starting point? I think just a starting point, although I still think they could have done this as continuing on from the last film, even though they the could last all be film their was daughters. 25 years ago. They could all be their daughters or they something. They could be. Taken over the company. Or even, I mean, there, there was a spin-off cartoon where they just had sort of Egon leading a whole new team, and he created their, you know, updated versions of the equipment for them. Mm. Amazing. And that got carried on in the comics as well, where the whole idea, the whole idea from the original film... Venkman wanted to, you know, he had this idea to form this company. And then, you know, one of the lines is the franchise rights alone that will make us rich. <laughs> so, so he yeah. wants to, to license this out to other teams. Okay, and why now, can't you set that now, 20, 20 or 30 years later? Yeah, someone, no, someone uncovers a, a, a long lost franchise plan and says, right, let's, let's, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't, so I don't want to come, consent, uh, come across a sexist or misogynistic at all but i don't know why it needs to be for women i don't get it that's exactly. that yeah. that's my issue that like it's and a, a, like, i'm sure it could be wonderful but yeah. they're, they're making a players i don't know i don't know why it's being done in the way it's being done um is it the only hook they can think of is it gonna is it supposed to appeal to teenage girls that are bored of one direction i've no idea I wish I knew, but I can't figure it out. I mean, unless they're going to go along the, which is slightly worrying, if they're going to go along the all-female and maybe one of them will be a female role model, but, you know, they'll have female cliches about them. And if they do that, then I think it's actually going to end up offending worse, people. Um, yeah. That's my and point. With this, with this director, that that is a fear of what, what exactly what could happen. I mean, I have... Yeah, I've avoided films like Bridesmaids because I when I've seen people talk about it, yeah. them, they yeah. sound absolutely, you know, horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well, uh, I mean, it might be really good, but it, like you say, I, my my deepest feeling is it's going to call publicity because of it might find people going, what have you done? This could have been so much full of female role models and all you've done is have them doing their nails and not and having a girly scream in the corner. You wouldn't call any of the original characters massive role models, would you? I mean, you've got... No, but they were the also anti-heroes. You know, yeah, but they were anti-heroes funny yeah. way. They were quite interesting for that. Exactly. So, you had, you know, yeah, you had the sort of geeky one. You had the one they brought in later who was more down to earth, but, you know, he didn't really fit in with the group. He, it did feel a bit sort of tokenish. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was weird. The whole thing was, but uh, I'm actually slightly interested because I've got a feeling this could be so horrific it could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I know that's probably not the way you meant to look at it. But no. I mean, I think the point the, is, if it's not horrific, it's probably going to sink without a trace, which is sad. Yeah, I mean, I, I will probably will go and see it unless something comes up that really. Sort of puts me well, like root root canal work or something, something something more <laughs> yeah. enjoyable. Some, no, no. Some kind of a kidney stone extracted or something. Yeah. 
ingrained toenails that might put you off mm. yeah I mean, yeah. I mean it's, it's like it took it took less to put me off the sort of new Star Wars put it that you know and I, I fear I, I don't want it to be in that sort of category I will go and see it I mean the, the release date is literally just after my birthday next year so that'll probably be still the got a hangover you could go yeah mm. yeah well you never know a hangover might smooth the blow Look, it could be fantastic I just I just it, it, there's yeah. so many alarm bells going off yeah, I, mean, I I had the same problem with Star Trek, really, when they rebooted that. But somehow, the day before, I really thought about it. It's like, well, I tried to keep an open as mind as possible. A bit worrying and, that you care enough. To I, I enjoyed it for it. what it was, rather than sort of as Star Trek. Mm. Yeah, it was an Star hour and a half of expensive pop. <laughs> an hour and a half of expensive popcorn. That's what it is. Pretty much. I mean, the one thing I need to do before this film actually comes out. Is have see, your eyes gouged out? No, is is see the original Ghostbusters? <laughs> I really ought to. I really ought to watch it. Sorry, T- Tone trying to suppress his rage there. <laughs> really? Have you never seen it? Even I've seen that. I've that's never so, seen it. No, I haven't. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Plenty of people who have. There's plenty of people who are amazed that I've never seen it. I do know one or two people who haven't seen it. It's like that show. I've never seen Star Wars. Yours will be. I've never seen Ghostbusters. I've never seen Ghostbusters. Yeah, I've oh, well. seen Star Wars. Oh, well, <laughs> mm, never mind. And it, it was back in the cinemas last year and everything. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I should have gone and seen it then. Never mind. Never mind. Right. Let us move on to the industry before we start any arguments. Taylor Swift trademarks sick beat. BBC.co.uk providing this story once again. Pop star Taylor Swift is seeking to trademark phrases including this sick beat and we never go out of style in the United States. The phrases are all lyrics from her current album, 1989, which has sold more than 4 million copies in the US. If granted, the trademark would stop others from using her lyrics on items such as T-shirts, stickers and bags. There goes the um, popular vote for the title of this show then. Other phrases she wants to protect include nice to meet you, where where you been, and party like it's 1989. Her name, signature, and initials have already been tra- received trademark protection. Uh, although the, op- the application may seem trivial, printing lyrics onto merchandise is an increasingly important revenue stream for musicians in an era of declining record sales. Now, I don't, I don't know what this sick beat is means to the two of you to me it sounds like someone's got the um someone someone's got the beat matching wrong when they've when they've when you've got a really crappy drummer he's triggering some midi samples and you've got to um you've got to line everything up now that beat's sick mate well you mean it's good no i mean it's terrible very badly played <laughs> let's I've pull it all into place good now i don't know what it means oh i don't know i remember some people in the i want to know what bruce forsyth's going to make of it when he's like she tries to do nice to meet you he's been saying that for years isn't he to, be, to see you it's good nice to see you isn't it yeah it would do it was a bad joke yeah. nice. no, I, mean, I, I, I find this I'm quite interesting going to be bothered about the party like it's yeah I mean yeah. I'm just going to make up a load of nonsense words and trademark them I can sort of remember 1989 I don't remember it being that impressive but no I mean those of us that were here I mean, I don't even know if Taylor Swift would have been. Probably no, she not. was born in 1989. I think that's the whole point of the title of the album. Yeah, well, then it was her parents having the party, not her, so she can keep way out of it. No, I just... It's this idea of making... It, you know what I think it is? And this is why it 
I put it in because it sort of bothers me. It's not so much about her making money, right? It's about this idea of not letting anyone else make any money because of her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's oh, this image right thing. And, you know, okay, she's got a face. I mean, I read so, <laughs> you know, she's entitled to her image, right? She's got, I don't yeah. know, Taylor Swift pop band. I don't know what they call yeah, themselves. The bits that have already been protected, like yeah, the name, signature, initials, she, whatever. Yeah, she has a, a right to do that, right? And, yeah, because she's created a... She has made herself into a commodity, a product, and you've got every right, yeah? But when you start to want to take, shall we say, lyrics and, and you know, a certain set of words in a certain order, they aren't, I mean, party like it's 1989. I think that phrase would have been used, and nice to meet you where you've been. I think that's probably been used a hundred trillion times before she ever came on. Now, I've always had a soft pot spot, yes, for Taylor Swift, because I've explained for before I saw her, when I first ever saw her, she was doing some charity thing. You've always had a stock pot. I've always had a stock pot. <laughs> and I was right, really, um, fair enough, you know, this girl's got a good heart and all the rest of it. And I still choose to believe that this is a... Um, a uh, a company decision. I, I don't think Taylor Swift mm. is probably like with uh, the Spotify yeah. thing that we had before. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think she has. Someone's made a tactical decision, saying, like, "Okay, whatever happens, when as long as she's at the the head of all the curves on all this new stuff, even if it all goes belly up for the, everyone else that tries to do it next, as long as we do everything first then we'll be okay. And that's how it works. And she's popular, I'm sure. I mean, there's lots of people buying her, her records and stuff. I, I, it's just a stage too far, I don't know, because of, I don't think it, I, well, I don't think it'd be granted here, right? Absolutely um, and not, no. Wants, no. And she wants to do it in the States. I think the problem here isn't so much with, I'm going to say Taylor Swift's people, right? The problem is, are, are the United States Patent Office so fickle and idiotic that they would grant this? Okay, I mean that's a problem. Um, what are we going to do? I mean, hey Jude, let's go back to actually popular things. You know, get back. I don't know how many people have heard of when when this came up and he said, "Nice to meet you. Where you been?" I was like, "Okay, it doesn't mean anything to me." Right now, yeah. I think. Yeah, how you do? Get back, um, paint it black. Uh, you can go on and on and on and on. Money on, for on. nothing, for instance. There you go. These are phrases that actually mean something in music. Um, if this goes through, <laughs> yeah. But you know, you were talking about Prince. You know, didn't he party like it was nineteen ninety nine or whatever it was? Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, and these, that's some the of these phrases that, as well. They're you know, you can use them in, you could you end up using them in normal conversation. Would that mean you'd have to, you know, you it's can, yeah. Yeah, okay. this kind of level of patenting and protection for something that's already, you know, even outside, there is a, in, in music outside a, of it. There's got to yeah. be a point when if you offer something to the world, you no longer own it. Yeah. You know, the idea of, I don't know, somebody originally sang a song. At some point, it has to pass into the vernacular, doesn't it? 
Yeah, somebody invented music. I mean, someone I mean, made Taylor Swift. She's going to sue her parents. What? You know, it, there is a point where someone with some sense has got to draw a line. But we, as we all know, the you know the people that are going to make money out of this isn't Taylor Swift. It's going to be the lawyers, and the lawyers don't care whether it's won or lost because of if it's lost, they'll file another suit and they'll still get paid. If it's won, someone else will file a suit and they won't. And They'll get paid. So let's. The only people that are doing this, are driving this, are the people that are going to get money out of it, and it isn't going to be Taylor Swift, my poor dear. You're a very. I, I do believe you're very sweet, and I think you're probably um, being led really up the garden path because there will come a point when you're not a pretty. What's she? Twenty old? I don't know what she is, but you know, a pretty young thing that's really in the zeitgeist. And there will come a point where you're trying to then carry on your career when people look back and say. Oh, what, that Taylor Swift, yeah, she used to be something, but she just basically annoyed everybody in every possible way. So she should stand back a bit and go, you know, if I want a future, I mean, she might have enough money never to work again, I'm sure she does, but if you want a future, you might want to think about what you're allowing your people to do now, because you're not the leader, you're not the, um, you know, you're not the head of music for a whole generation, that's nonsense. Go and buy a, I don't know, go and buy a football teams, Pink Floyd said. But, it, it does sort of stink of what, what we've had from the tech companies as well before, haven't we? We've had such generic things patented by Apple and Google and so on, haven't we? You know, and, and then they've, yeah. they've ended up in wars over that. And it seems like the same sort of thing where it's like you're, you're patenting such a vague idea, <laughs> or in this case, there's such was- a phrase that could be used any day, you know, in any, any old conversation. But there was something here, uh, it might have been last week, is the uh, name Brianna. Didn't some right. shop mm. put pictures of her on a t shirt? Oh, and they she did, objected. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's different clearly that's right their so, image. because that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. That is where the line should be drawn. Well, that's you know, taking that's, someone's likeness and modifying it and selling it for their own yeah. devious well, if, if inventor exactly word, right. page that, but you know. Oh, what was that, In, that fella? Um Oh, oh, the Australian singer. He was he's quite a nice fella actually. Um he I have he married Jordan or something. I can't remember his name. Oh now. um Peter Andre. Peter Andre. Peter Andre, that's why oh, I don't think you didn't remember it. You knew it and you were just trying to hold back. Um he didn't he invent a word called Insania. I think that came out of the jungle program. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, Insania. <laughs> I can't remember what See, remember that, that would be more likely as if yeah, like you say, yeah. as a thing to trademark than yeah, to take a load of words. I mean, look, if someone has a whole lyric and a whole song, right, and you and you produce like an entire verse of their song or something on a T-shirt and sell it, you might have an argument to say like, you know, that there's a copyright on that phrase. But to take, uh, you know, three words and one of um, and the number 1989 and say that is yours I mean there was a thing um, you know I wish get off of this in a minute because it's boring but <laughs> I remember when um, Brian Lara who's a cricketer he scored 501 runs in cricket and then he declared and he came off the pitch and I don't know who it was. His manager said, I wish you hadn't scored 501. Couldn't you score 502 or whatever? And he said, why? He goes, because Levi's already owned 501. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And 
it was like fair enough because Levi's five hundred one is a a trademark. It's a it's a thing, isn't it? Um, but party like it's nineteen 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 eighty nine is just three words and a number. It's not a thing. She hasn't created, you know, Levi's five hundred one. It's four words. Um, what was that in uh, See No Evil, He No Evil? Evil Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman. Do you remember that? No, one, remember was, that. one was blind and one was deaf and he was trying to lip read and the other one wasn't saying it right. He's going, what do you mean Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman? Because <laughs> he was trying to lip read. Uh, I can't even remember what he was trying to say. But, you know, if Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman is actually probably worth patenting. Because mm, anyone that saw probably. that film, and in the day it was probably quite a saying. But that's four weird words that probably wasn't put together many times before and it had a meaning mm. to do with that film. But party like it's nice. Nice to meet you. Where you been? I've probably said that myself. I want. To, I want to. I want her to get it so I can then sue her for stealing something I've already said. And I'm. I'm as popular as. In fact, I said it before she was born, so it was more popular, right? Before she ever got hold of it. So the fact that she's more popular than me, right? I mean, I'm sure she's not as talented, but because she's more popular than me now, I was more popular than her because I said it before she was born. There you go. Prior art, I think, is what we call that. There you go. I wasn't trying to get too technical, you see. Yeah. George Lucas, I have no interest in science fiction. (laughs) That shows. (laughs) (laughs) Slams Hollywood and circus movies at Sundance panel. I really have no interest in science fiction at all, said Star Wars creator George Lucas today at the Sundance Film Festival. Needless to say, the almost incredulous line got a big laugh coming from the man who is credited with bringing sci-fi to the mainstream to the tune of billions in on-screen profits. At the same time, Thursday, Lucas was ruthlessly on the state of a um, was ruthless on the state of modern Hollywood. Sorry, uh, a lot of movies you see are circus movies. The man who sold his company and franchise to Disney in 2012 for over four billion dollars said let's see how much blood comes out when he, when he splats uh, lucas added of what he sees the mindset of the industry being uh, it's now gotten to be more more and more of a circus than, than substance with a pause he noted i get blamed for a lot of that before pointing out the story of um, the story at the heart of Oh, this is a terrible read. Before pointing out the story at the heart of his Galaxy Far, Far Away saga, if you go into Star Wars and see what's going on there, there's a lot more substance than circus. No, there is just circus, Mr. Lucas. That's all it is. <laughs> there is no substance. Yeah, I wonder if he's painted it. Let's see how much blood comes out when he splats. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Galaxy Far, Far Away, this is an example of something that you know could be protected in that way. There you go. Yeah, Yeah, $4 billion tells him to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if he was that bothered, why did he make the prequels if he wasn't talking about a circus? I mean, if there's that's a three-ringed circus if ever I've seen. Oh, it is. Fantastic. No, I mean, this is one bitter, embittered human being, isn't it? You know, go and pile your money up and see how high it goes to the ceiling and just be quiet. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I think that yeah. seals the deal. Tone, what do you what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've already had to laugh at the fact that he's criticizing these circus movies, you know. It's like, you know, considering even the original trilogy, you could argue certainly with the prequels. A bunch of teddy bears running around a forest singing yub nub. I th- I think 
Yeah. I think that pretty much seals yeah. the deal. Or, or you, even in the first one, yeah, it's like, it's like you had the, oh, these, let's have these spacecraft that we can turn into toys for all the, you know, it was, you know, almost a big toy advert, you know, oh, let's paint a football like the Death Star, you know. I think he should change his name to uh, George Barnum Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, P.T. Lucas. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, Mr. Lucas, you've made you've made at least one or two good films, but uh, now you must go. Uh, let's move on to the music. Jay Z bids to buy a music streaming service. This also from the BBC.co.uk. Jay Z could be taking on Spotify, Deezer, and others with a music streaming service of his own. <laughs> As if we wanted another one of those. The rapper's company. Project Panther, oh yes, has bid to take over Sweden-based Aspiro or Aspiro for a reported fifty-six million dollars or thirty-seven million pounds. Pocket change. Yeah, pretty much. The firm owns Wimp, which rivals Spotify in some countries, and Tidal, which streams music in HD. Interesting. Uh, the move will put Jay Z in competition with Beats Music, founded by Dr. Dre and bought by Apple in 2014. Tidal currently offers users access to 25 million tracks, in addition to 75,000 music videos and other content, including artist interviews for £19.99 a month. What? <laughs> yeah, I looked at this, and the only reason I put it in. It's because we normally say, oh, not another streaming service. And that's quite right, not another streaming service. But this has video streaming as well as, I mean, who cares about the interviews? Let's not push the boat out. But, you know, $19.99 for 75,000 videos, I can see people being interested in that. It's now video streaming jukebox rather than just an audio. So... I can see this being more of a commercially viable thing for... Um, Going after the Vivo market, perhaps. Yeah, but also, mm. like, not necessarily... Well, you could do it in clubs. But, you know, you've got lots of restaurants and you've got lots of places where the youths hang out. And you can actually, you know, tailor... Not Taylor Swift, but you can tailor what you're you know, want to produce. So I can see if you're really into music and a lot of people that like certain genres of music, the video is as much a part, let's face it, the music's not up to much. So you need something to watch. The video is as much part of it as the, um, as the, the sound. So Mm. I can actually see why this is a fairly good idea. And you think about the sum of money, $37 million is Peanuts. I mean, I hate to think what Spotify's worth because when they throw away, throw around numbers, they're always in the billions. And when it said thirty-seven million, I was almost looking for change on my desk to see if I could buy it because <laughs> just, it just—it seems like such a ridiculously. How can a company only be worth thirty-seven million? There's companies that haven't actually done anything yet, other than yeah. give themselves a name that's worth more than that. You could probably Especially sell for someone lenses. that has. You know, has made a hell of a lot more than that from his own sort of music, his own work. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see I can see why this might actually be a really, really good move. Because it's it's big in, you know, northern Europe. If you can have a name, like I mean Jay Z is he the one married to Beyonce? Uh it might be. <laughs> Yes. Oh, oh look at him! That. He's down yeah, with the youth. Look that up. Oh, I mean, from, from, from what from what you're saying here, it's like it's a, it's almost a shame that YouTube have got in with their own music subscription service, haven't they? Because that would sort of 
cater for that same yeah but i can see if this, and this would just be almost just following that yeah but if you could have you know he's, he's a name and his wife's a name etc if they can even just get a one percent share of the market in the states that 37 million dollars is going to look like pocket change I mean, and i think it's a really clever out. idea it's the twenty pound twenty pound a month that I can't I can't get over. I mean, and, unless you can say right, I want the you know I want the streaming audio. I mean, apparently it is high quality audio. That's streaming. not for his though, is it? That's not for his idea. That's for this title mm. from what I'm reading in the article. But yeah, I'm surprised title would be that. Yeah, you'd, I think you'd have to be really into the particular you know what they offer. But there's no reason why they can't have a two yeah. tier thing. Mm. So therefore, it could rival Spotify because Spotify don't offer the second part of the service. So you say, okay, you can have nine ninety nine and have ten videos a month or something, but not included. But you know, you know what it's like. Someone offers you a service, and you go, actually, it's only another ten pound a month. Might as well, and you do. I mean, that's how I always end up with Netflix, Love Film, and everything that ever ever comes through my door normally. But it's like oh, it's only a tenner. It's only another tenner. And I just think it's a really good idea. I can see why it would work. And um, yeah, now look at I see. Look, if successful, his bid will add streaming to a portfolio including forty forty club sports bars. There you go. That's the sort of thing I meant. That type of um, environment mm-hmm. where young people hang out and act young. They go and s- suck down bottles of Armand de Brignac champagne. But can you imagine my? Okay, so and you do all that, wearing right? rocker wear. But you do that, right, in clubs of whatever its sort it is, and instead of having a jukebox, now you've got an online video jukebox that has got 75,000 tracks or whatever it is. You know, that now becomes a really big seller in clubs and pubs and whatever because you can now, your jukebox has got 25 million tracks and 75,000 music videos to choose from. And I just think, yeah, I, 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 you know what, well done. Let me good thinking. Let's see where it goes, and let them, we're we're heading down to the box Sky to launch new set top box early in face of BT competition. This story from Digital Spy. Sky is reportedly bringing forward the release of its next generation set top box. According to the Daily Telegraph, the broadcaster is now planning to launch the new box in spring. The move comes amid increased pressure to compete with BT, which is also tipped to release a new set-top box ahead of its exclusive Champions League football coverage. Uh, it is claimed that Sky's new offering will be part of a new higher-level premium subscription that will support 4K primarily. Oh, yes, for all those 4K displays and all that 4K content. Brilliant. <laughs> Other features, uh, which were reported first last year, are still said to be included in the new box, such as multi-screen viewing on smartphones and tablets, as well as the ability to record and store programs in the cloud instead of a local hard drive. Uh, competition could heat up further as Virgin Media is also running its own 4K content delivery trials in the UK. Yes, I think trials. That's, that's a sensible thing. Content yeah, that's, trials. Yeah, that's <laughs> the best way to put it at the moment because, well, the technology is just isn't cheap enough for mainstream yet, is it? No, but the trial but is, once it gets out there, these boxes will be ready for it. It's not good so enough either. It's a good move, yeah. I mean, like I said, recently I bought a new telly and I looked at the 4Ks and I spoke to people that actually know a lot about TV screens and they were sort of saying, don't, because you buy a telly, 
And I tell you what, I mean, it's minimum. Of, I, mean, I took a five-year insurance plan out, so it's a minimum of five years I'm keeping this deli for. And he said, the 4K is just not very good at the moment. The quality of the pixels and the quality of the screen is not, and the refresh rates are not good enough, right? And you're going to be stuck with this for five years. Don't waste your money, because in a couple of years, it will be good. But right now, it's not... I mean, it's it's fairly cheap. It's not that expensive to buy a 4K telly. You can buy a cheap 4K telly, but it's an absolute pile of rubbish. Exactly. Right? That's the, just because that's it's got the, that's just because it's got mainstream. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's got 4K, it's 4K of utter rubbish. When uh, higher higher resolution uh, cameras first came out, and when I mean higher resolution, I think a professional uh, camera might have had three megapixels. That's what I'm talking about. You had other companies coming out with five, and um, I remember Fuji came out with a 12, which was a six-megapixel interpolated um, overscan thing. I yeah, you have, have one. We can discuss that. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have one which I broke, um, which is always part of what I do with most equipment. But, yeah, it was okay. It was good, but it wasn't as good as a three-megapixel decent camera. You know, and that's what it is. And that's what they've done with these screens. The refresh rates are no good. The, the, the blacks aren't very good. There's just, you know, a high-end 1080p screen mm. is far, far superior to the 4K we've got now. Is it the equivalent to sort of when you get, when we had TVs for a while that were, they weren't full HD, but they were HD ready? Yeah. Is yeah, it sort of right. equivalent to that? It's sort of, yes, it will be ready for it, but it's sort of it's still at the low end of yeah, you what will be possible. You're lucky if you got 720 out of those. Mm. And also, when Sky and Virgin started broadcasting in HD, it wasn't full HD. It was HD. Exactly. And it was an imp- interpolation mm. from, I don't think it was 480, but it was like 560 or 5 something. Would it have been and 1080i it, or something like that? No, it That's was lower than that. And then it was, day. yeah, it was all very, very. And I had an engineer come around and he said, you don't really want that on. And I said, why? He goes, because all you're doing is adding pixels where they don't exist and you're taking sharpness. And, and then you watch football and go, do you see the bit of the screen there where it's gone fuzzy? I said, yeah, he goes, turn that off. And I said, the picture looks exactly the same, but that bit hasn't gone fuzzy anymore. He went, yeah, you just don't use it. It's not ready. It's rubbish. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, that's the point. They've, they're right to bring out these boxes and not necessarily for the 4K, but people, if you've bought a 4K telly <laughs> and Sky come out with a 4K doofridge, You'll go, yes, I've got a 4K doofridge. I can finally watch 4K other than the, the few bits of download content that you can get off the internet or the Samsung yeah. 4K telly. I can actually watch 4K. And it 4K looks nice until you look at real 4K and you mm. go, well, that's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just overly sharp yeah. and 1080, and that's all it is. Yeah, at this point. yeah, At this I mean, point. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting as well that it's like they're talking about, you know, the other features here where, you know, multi-screen viewing, you can stream it to a smartphone or tablet. That's, That's also nice. there in the Xbox One and things like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Amazon just uh, developed yeah. that with the Fire tablet, didn't they? Yes, they, they've they done that as well. Yeah, it's... But I think they were the, the ones thing to bring it through, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's I mean that's really cool. I mean, especially... I mean, we're talking... I talked about sport. There's quite often I'd like be watching uh, rugby, the sport I most enjoy watching. I quite enjoy cricket, and I do watch a lot of football with my older boy, but 
I can just turn around to him because he's Mr. Encyclopedia, so that's okay. But say say the rugby, I'd love to be having the second screen and I'd love it to be working, not through the internet, through the box in front of me. That not only maybe I could control replays or whatever in a little box, but I'd like to be able to say, yeah. sorry, who's, who's on the bench? Who's the forwards that they can bring on? You know, I mean, because it's all a big part of the game of is not just what you're watching, it's the it's, other stuff. And I'd love access to yeah. that and that's what they are really talking about the 4k is the you know is the, the big hook. print yeah it's the hook but the reality of it is the internal wi-fi network and it's the way it's going to be able to talk to other devices and what you're going to be able to do with those other devices and uh, that that to me is really exciting and i look forward to that yeah i think i don't I'm, care if it's on a 1080 screen or a 4k yeah today. i think at the moment 4k the as as with any tele, I mean, all the televisions in the in the showrooms all look good because they blow out the colours, and it's in an improperly lit room. They just yeah, turn it might everything well be up on to in, max. It might be Instagram telly. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it, the the thing is, if you look at some of these four K televisions, like I, th- I think I think Dell, um, the the four K uh, monitors for computers, um, I think Dell had one for about eight or nine hundred quid, but it was only. It was something stupid, like it was only 20 hertz or something. So useless for video yeah, well, or course. gaming or anything like that. Mm. But um, but yeah, I suppose it, I suppose it, you have to. Some people just like these these things before before they're actually before they're actually the the they're thing cooked. at the time, don't they? Before they're ready. Yeah, before but they are ready. Cooked. They are ready. But you got to spend 25 grand on one. Indeed. Indeed, that's what happens when they're ready. They're not re- they're not consumer ready because of. Yeah. They've just cut down and every. It's like um, my my monitors I use when I'm working. You know, there's different monitor screens. There's different types of screens that go in monitors. Now they're not. The resolution isn't necessarily that important to me. But what is important is just a. I'm not going to go into the technical thing, but you've got. You can buy a. I don't know. Let's say a 24 inch monitor. You can buy a 24 inch monitor for 99 pounds. Mm. <laughs> And for ninety nine percent of the people and ninety nine percent of uses, that's perfectly okay. Absolutely no problem with that, right? You can buy another monitor that's four hundred pounds, and you, and that is a better screen. It's a different type of screen, but it's a hybrid between two separate screens, or a professional monitor at twenty four thousand pounds, uh, twenty four inches, which is about two and a half thousand pounds, right? And the differences are quite minute, right? Unless you need that. Top end yeah. by ninety nine or four hundred. Well, if you if you're, no talk, for it. if you're talking about the difference between like the um, um, yeah the difference between a, a ninety quid TN panel and a you know eight hundred quid IPS panel, the the yeah. difference is night and day if you know what you're looking at. But if you know what you're looking at, yeah. but if you're typing the odd letter, you're watching your YouTube video and you're playing the odd game, absolutely waste of time spending eight hundred. And eight hundred quid is middle of the road. It's not high end. And this is what they've done, though. This is what they've done with the 4K to get it out to people because people weren't buying 3D and they needed anything to put out on a new telly. They had to have something because of, you know, they only sold us the new 1080s two or three years ago. You had the old 1080s and then you went from your plaster to your LCD, then you went to your OLED screens, right? And they'd done that and it was like, we, oh, we haven't got any more technology. What are we going to throw? We've done the um, smart TVs. Well, they didn't take off as well as we hoped. What are we going to do? Oh, 4K. Thank goodness for 4K. <laughs> yeah, it's quite. But 4K will be 20 grand if we do it properly. 
don't worry about doing it properly. Put 4K on it and just hobble some rubbish together because it's got enough dots. But we have to compromise on everything. Just compromise on it. And what you're buying is the £99 monitor. But the difference is when you're watching a movie or you're watching something that moves quickly enough and the refresh rates and the blacks aren't there, you're getting a £99 monitor and it will look like a 99 pound monitor mm. the only reason a 4k looks good is because they've got a, they haven't got a 4k next to a proper 4k if you saw the two you go i'm not wasting my money i'll wait a couple of years and that is the point mm. but they're doing the right thing they're bringing these boxes out because at, at some point you know the, yeah. the last telly the pack, true yeah the last telly yeah. they packed up now i've got an all singing all dancing incredibly stupidly expensive 1080p telly right and i've got to admit you can look at a page because it's got built-in browser you can read that page of text and it's brilliantly sharp and you go that's 1080 how can it be that sharp and it really is right the next telly i buy to replace won't be for that room it will be for the room i'm in and i probably will buy a 4k because i've got an all singing all dancing proper telly now i just want a big monitor with you know whatever comes with it and i really don't care so maybe i'd go for it but you know right now unless you've one don't care or two like i've got i've got a what i call a proper screen it's like i've got proper work monitors in my shed and in my other office i've got rubbish monitors because all i do with those is write email but i know i've got proper monitors for what i need proper monitors and that's the thing but you know it, it's good they need to move on and what they do, and this is the thing like with the gaming machines and all the rest of it, like, for instance, the Xbox 360, it was there for so long because it was so ahead of its time and it was so well-built and it was so high-spec. It's only now, whatever, it's about 10 years, it's only 10 years later or whatever it was, yeah. that there's the ability to write something that needs more than the Xbox 360 can give you. And they are still having yeah. to almost make things up to use it. Yes. Because you can make an almost identical thing that's still run on it. But that's what you've got to do. You've got to bring out the technology so other people can develop. Now, if Sky and Virgin bring out these set-top boxes, forget about the 4K, but the interaction between other devices, third-party ideas will come along and go, you know, it would be really good to use the second screen for that, to do this for that, to do... Every time there's a vote on X Factor, I don't know, you actually vote and you're voting through your box through your phone and and it's actually you're going to get 10 million people voting in the final rather than a few hundred thousand on the phone or whatever it happens to be there are masses of interactive uses for these things yeah yeah and, and that's the way it should be i'm really yeah. I, i'm glad for it yeah well there we go we'll see we'll see where it goes and where we end up right let's uh let's finish off with the finish off with the epitaph this is this is where we um we talk about someone who's who's passed away this week, and it's uh, Miss Marple actress uh, Geraldine McEwen dies aged eighty two. This is a bit of a shock. I didn't I didn't actually know that she was she was this old because she, of course she always plays old you know old women. Mm. When um, I saw her, I, I thought, when did she become eighty two? Yeah, no, I, I honestly thought yeah. she was kind of you know late sixties. Maybe yeah. the early seventies or something mm. like that. Yeah, no, but she's uh, I mean she, she she was in so much stuff. Um, it was a bit of a bit of a shot when I saw the uh, saw the story come up on my phone. Actually, mm. no, I think she was a really wonderful actor, and I always really liked her as well. Yeah, she always had that innocent English smile about her, mm. and like yes. you say, and like yeah. I say, 
Well, if she was 82, then, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's right to say this of someone that's died. She really did wear well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but she was still beautiful at 82. Yeah. I always had a real soft spot for her. Yeah. And, uh, I think a lot of people did. I mean, yeah. she's perfect mm. for Miss Marple, I think. Mm. She did, uh, but she did brought well something well. quite uh, vivacious, if that's the right word, to Miss Marple. Miss Marple, um, who was the one that played her before? Um, the, the one that's kind of synonymous with... Yes. Yeah, I can't remember her name. No, I think... Oh, no, nor can I. But, you know, that was a real mm. old Jolly Hockey Sticks type lady. But, mm. you know, her Miss Marple was more sort of... I don't know, it's like Miss Marple the ninja type. You know, it was yeah, more yeah. in her face and in the, mm. you know... Um, get out of my way, I'm solving the crime type thing. And I, you know, a really lovely lady as well. So you, uh, she really will be sorry. Joan right. Hickson played um, Miss Marple. She was yeah. the one who played her, who's kind of the most, from 1982 to 1984 to 1992. That's, that's impressive, that, isn't yeah. it? Well, yes. Mm. Yeah. No, but, uh, no, but she will, uh, she will certainly be missed. But yeah, yeah. I mean... I, I looked it up. I didn't realise she was actually in an episode of Red Dwarf on the recent. Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah, yeah she played. But, it, Sandra, but it's like she didn't. She never looked anywhere near this age then either. Did she? You know, because she was no. a, basically playing a computerised head sort of thing. But you know, she, even, she had even lo- that, she slipped into that role just so yeah. well. Yeah. She had a really oh, sweet comedic voice as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was really. I mean, you, you hear a voice, and it's one of those that make you smile. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. I know. It's sad, yeah. but you say that. Hopefully, it was eighty-two very healthy years because, like I said, she mm. came across as absolutely full of life. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well done, indeed. Right. Let's finish with uh, what we've been watching, reading, playing, or listening to this week. It has been two weeks, but. It still burns in my memory how much Alex complained when I tried to go first in the last episode. So, Alex, we're going to start. No, I reckon you should have some way of randomising. We're going to start with you, sir. Right, okay. I'm going to, yeah, okay. I've actually watched three. No, I haven't. I've actually watched four fairly interesting things. So I've watched 400 interesting things. But I'm going to pick four because I realised recently, it's something that we were talking about, and I was thinking Da Vinci Code. I was thinking, I can't remember the ending of Da Vinci Code, right? So I was sitting there one lazy night, picky night, and he'd like a lazy night for me. I was thinking, I don't think I've seen the end of the Da Vinci Code. And I vaguely remember... See the end of it? Yeah, I vaguely <laughs> remember starting it and going, oh, this is a load of rubbish, isn't it? And either falling asleep or turning it off, right? So anyway, I went to put, put, I put it back on. I think it was on uh, Virgin Media, like... Um, you know, anytime type TV. I think it's a Sky anytime thing, but I get access to that. So anyway, I watched The Da Vinci Code. Um, hmm. mm. Is it a load of rubbish? Now, <laughs> let's, get, let's get to the start, right? It's not a complete put, load of rubbish. <laughs> no, I did go to the point of towards the end, and I know only the English listeners would have, or readers and listeners would have got it, but I did write a tweet saying, the way the clues are written, I reckon at the end they're just going to win Dusty Bin. <laughs> Tone understands it. But, um, yeah, it was just like, oh, dear. It was just like 3-2-1. You know, 
And I was like, what the, well, you're just making things up and expecting people to try and work out, oh, the sun would be up on the left-hand side of the, if your leg was turned to the north, your ears would be pointing right. Oh, that must mean it's under that tombstone. I believe Stephen uh, Fry described it as, uh, on QI, as stool water. Yeah. <laughs> his arse gravy of the finest kind or something. But it was, it was entertaining <laughs> in its... Uh, how the heck did you extrapolate that load of nonsense it from that load of nonsense? It's entertaining. But it was entertaining. Now, look, saving grace without any, any shadow of a doubt, it's got Audrey Tato in it. And therefore, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's a visual masterpiece, whatever dross the film was itself. Um, I wasn't disappointed because... Uh, I managed to get through it this time, so it must have been slightly better than the first time I tried to watch it. I mean, that's not... But like I say, Audrey Tattoo's in it, so, you know, you know, best thing I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, better, than sliced, <laughs> better than sliced bread, no problem whatsoever. But, you know, if you've never seen it, um, if you like Audrey Tattoo, you're in luck. If you like Tom Hanks. I mean, I, Tom Hanks is a fine actor. It wasn't his finest day. And, uh, yeah, okay. I reckon if they had one dusty bin at the end, I'd have been happier. Oh, oh uh, Paul anyway. Bettany was a little bit weird, isn't it? it was, <laughs> the whole thing was really... It, it was it was a bit like an early... Um, Benny uh, Hill. Raiders of the Lost Ark type thing. <laughs> without any of the comedy, any of the acting... They need a storyline. I mean, I think finding the Yark of the Covenant was more realistic than this. Yeah. And uh, I'm amazed people didn't get more offended, but maybe they did. I just didn't care. Well, the, the, the way he distorts, I mean, in this one, and um, I mean, does he touch on the Illuminati in this one, or is that... The, or is that no, Amen? not really. Because yeah. no, no. Angels and Demons, which is his second opus, mm. um, it's... Uh, can you have an opus horribilis? Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, you can, <laughs> evidently, because he's managed it. Um, <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Even more horribilis. Um, the, uh, the the second film um, is so kind of better. they did it twice. <laughs> well, the, the second film is better because it's not, uh, it doesn't feel like it's making quite so many grandiose um claims is all doing tattoo in the second film she's not no that's rubbish then. oh fair enough <laughs> no um tom hanks and ewan mcgregor are both in it though i, t- I don't fancy either of them no well neither do i but you know you, you gotta but, try um, haven't you you gotta try anyway so oh, i don't know i had nice dreams that night i think right bad boys now we talked about this recently but only because i watched the wrong film I watched Bad Boys 2, didn't I? Right, And you were going, yeah, they don't mm. sound right. And then Tone went, that's the second one. I was like, ah, right. Well, I'm really glad I watched them the other way around because the first one was rubbish. The second one was really good. No, that's not true. Okay, we go. We got, she had, he had Tia Carrera in it. And again, mm. uh, you know, visually worthwhile. But uh, and in all honesty, I like it. it was okay. But if I'd have watched Bad Boys, I'd have never bothered to watch Bad Boys 2. Because I've gone, oh, well, the second's normally not as good. And the first one wasn't really uh, mind-changing in any way. But I think I did watch it the right way around, because yeah. Bad Boys 2 I really enjoyed. Bad Boys was 
Bad Boys would probably be all right if you watched it first, but Bad Boys Two was a really fun, good mm. movie. I have, and they didn't even sing bad. Better. They didn't even sing bad. They sung one line out of Bad Boys badly. So yeah, yeah. it's on Netflix. So if you got Netflix, you know you got about an after way, don't watch it. But if you can watch Bad Boys Two, far better, far far better mm. film. Right. Okay, I will go on to the last... No, next one. I'll go on to the last one. The Jazz Singer. I was sitting there the other day, and something popped into my head, and I think it was some line out of Love on the Rocks, and I heard someone use that line, oh, it's lucky they didn't paint it, otherwise I wouldn't have heard it. It wasn't a line on the radio. It wasn't something Taylor Swift had got involved in. No, it was just a line, and I went... I think I heard someone say, ain't no surprise, but in a in the phrasing that you had in Love and the Rocks, a song. And I started singing Love and the Rocks to myself, and I went, you know what, I can't remember watching The Jazz Singer since it came out. And I didn't realise it came out in 1989. Same year Taylor Swift was born. There we go. Anyway, so I knew I had it, and I watched it. And uh, do you know what? We are talking about the jazz singer Neil Diamond version, not the 1930s uh, Al Johnson or whoever it was. Neil Diamond, Lawrence Yeah, Yeah, Lawrence Olivier. You know what? It's a good film with some really, really fantastic music in it. And I did the thing that, and this this could lose me all three um, Twitter friends I've got. Um, I really like Neil Diamond. I always have really liked Neil because he's got such a soulful voice. Uh, An amazing soulful voice. And you know, if he was from a different time, a different place, and maybe didn't look quite so middle class, he may have have another set of fans, you know? But, I mean, I think he played Glastonbury a couple of years ago, didn't he? Because it was, there's that thing of, you know, people that wouldn't normally be down with the kids and the yeah. kids sort of discovering them, you know, which is good. It's a positive thing. Anyway, so I watched The Jazz Singer on DVD. Um, I know I owned it. I think my wife must own it, really, but... I knew and I hadn't seen it. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, it's amazing how I remembered every song, but I've probably heard every song. And uh, I was carrying on singing because in the songs, on in the film, they cut the song, song short because they don't play the whole songs. So I'm carrying on going, oi, 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 you've, you've missed the voice. You've missed the verse. No, no, go back, go back, you missed the verse. But anyway, it's a good film. And uh, it's amazing how well he could act. You know, it was, uh, I... I seem to remember when I was very young, so 1989, I was only, oh, I'd say how old I was. But um, I seem to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I was a bit older. Um, A lot older. Was it 1989? Are you sure it's 1989? It might be 1979. Oh, let me get this right. I reckon it was 1979. I've been saying 1989. Could have, yeah. Because I'm trying to think when I was singing it. Yeah, that does sound about right. I was not singing it in this country and I'm trying to remember where I was 1980 in the world. December 19th 1980 I, was the original I, USA release alright then I saw it in 1980 then oh blimey I was, I was old anyway and um, anyway I, I remember at the time thinking he's an actor that can sing I didn't realise when I was young that he was a singer that could act which is very good anyway so if you haven't ever seen a jazz singer I think he's on iTunes and various things so this is a really nice film with some really love music. So get out and get it. Excellent. Right, last one. Very this, interested to hear what you. This have is a f- to say. few t- few times now in my lifetime I've been to the cinema. 
Yeah. Right, I saw dun, 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 the imitation game. Now, let's get it set. I was all ready to hate this film. I had decided from what I read that I was going to be really offended. Uh, the, the historical aspects were going to be thrown out the window. It was all going to be Americanized and they won the war. And I know this is going to offend people, but half the films that are ever made about that subject, like I think the original one was Enigma and all the rest of it, was an absolute travesty to the people that saved us. And we're not just talking about us, we're talking about all of us, right? Created the modern world as it is now, or the better parts of it anyway, right? This, although it's not historically pinned down perfectly accurate, it was a damn sight better attempt than I ever thought we would get. Now, I'm, I think I've gone on record as saying I'm getting a little bit bored of Benny Boy, right? Mr. Cambersnatch or yes, whatever his name is. Bandersnatch right? Cumberbund, yes. No, he's a nice guy. He's a good actor, but I'm getting a bit tired of him playing Benedict Cumberbatch, right? And he sort of, the first bit, I thought, oh, no, he's playing Benedict Cumberbatch, right? And as it went along, I was thinking, oh, no, he's playing it a bit better than Benedict Cumberbatch. And there was these nuances, and they got stronger as the film went on. And the thing is, they were throwing you clues at how strange the character was, you know? And it was getting, he was getting stranger. And then you had... Um, Kira Knightley. Now, have I had time for Kira Knightley? In the past, I mean, Kira Knightley's done a couple of things and she's played Kira Knightley. And I thought she was all right in that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean thing. You know, she was all right. I mean, the part wasn't exactly taxing, but she played it the way she should have played it. She's very pretty. She's, you know, she played that part, right? And uh, so I'm going to give her a mark out of 10. I'd probably give her an eight and a half, nine. And that really surprised me because I thought I'd give her a four and a half, five. I think in my eyes, she, that she can't help what she looks like. And in a funny way, it's almost hard to get past because she's a beautiful girl. And sometimes it's really hard to get past somebody that's beautiful in a way of, you almost mark them down. You say, oh, well, you know, you can't be very good because you're so good looking that you only got the part because of. And then you look and you watch it and you go, no, you got that part because you're a damn good actress in this film. Well done. You know, and I'm a little bit ashamed that I didn't realise that you, maybe you only get parts because of people want you to behave a certain way or look a certain way. But, you know, when it came down to it, she was really, really good. Really, really good. Benedict was really, really good. I really enjoyed, I mean, his Alan Turing was really interesting because of the way the film was written. It was recaps. Um, and he's, he's telling the story. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, it had things in it like, um, oh, well, I forgot his name. Uh, um, Rory Kinnear's son. What was his name? Oh. Uh, it sounds like Rory Kinnear, but he's not. Is it? Or is it Rory Kinnear who's the Rory son? Kin no, yeah, Rory Kinnear is the, is, is the son, yeah. Okay, so what was his dad called then? Oh, God, it's terrible. I can't remember his dad now. Anyway. Oh, I hate that. Anyway, so he was really good. Uh, Matthew Good was very good. There were, uh, was there. A, I tell you, there was a guy. I'm gonna look up his name because he 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 surprised me. Actually, he was the um, Matthew Good. Yeah, I, I can't see his picture here. He was um, played Hugh Alexander. He, he was the boy who was in um, Downton Abbey. Played 
the uh, the driver in Downton Abbey. And that was a really nice surprise to see him playing another. Trouble is, he was trying to play a Scottish bloke, and you could hear his accent coming through underneath it. But um, anyway, but they were really good. The story was really good. And at the end, as I hoped I would be, I was blooming furious, right? I was really, mm. Um, I just, uh, you know, as I, I was hoping I would be. I was hoping it wasn't going to be a Hollywood ending, you know. And I know people have said, oh, well, you know, they didn't mention the Polish people that were in there. And you're right. There was a lot of stuff left out. But it had to be interesting enough to carry an audience as well as just people that are really interested in it being a historical masterpiece. Anyway, so I... I couldn't highly enough recommend it because it's a really important subject. And yes, they've cut corners and yes, you could say I've taken liberties, but I think the balance between making something that the public will want to see and getting a really important story about some real, real heroes. And I can't underestimate how important these people were. And there was bits towards the end and I don't want to, well, I suppose it doesn't matter. No, I won't say. They they give you other things to think about that you didn't really think about. And when you watch it, you'll know because they make a big part of it towards the end of the film. And it was like, oh, you know, it never occurred to me what they did and then what they'd have to carry on doing. And my brain was like, wow, how 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 terrible and how amazing and how heartbreaking and how important and how every major thing and then you know anyone that knows the story knows how it ends right and how angry you can be but at the end they were they just you know quiet scream bits of words that come up and it's talking about the they you know the best estimate is it shortened the war by two years and saved a minimum of 10 million people's lives. And when a group, a few, I mean, those were the few, the real few, you know, when a few people that are, you know, they're outsiders in the world. How many people in this world that have saved 10 million people's lives are as little known? As, I mean, we know Alan Turing. You name any of the others, you know, and they were all there, you know, and they all, I mean, including the Polish guys and all the people that weren't in the movie, but they saved at least 10 million lives, right? And then they're not known. You know, I mean, it's on a scale of wrongness. It doesn't get much higher, does it? So anyway, I'd go and watch the film, and I had, like I say, I was so prejudicial against them making it bad that it had to be blooming good to make a difference to me. And... um well, that's a relief. I don't if any good. care if Benedict gets an Oscar, and I don't care if Kira gets an Oscar. But I do think, um, what's his name, Morton Tildum, the director, should get an Oscar. And I do think um, Gary Moore, the screenplay writer, should get an Oscar. And I think Andrew Hodges, that wrote the book, should get an Oscar. You know, I don't think the actors are that important in here. But to get a story across maybe the director especially, to get a story across as important as this and still make it palatable, and I don't mean because of a bad taste, but still make it interesting enough for the general public to take on board what they're trying to tell you is a a masterpiece of skill. 
because they could have made it a documentary and we could have all been really worthy and six of us would have gone and watched it. Yeah, <laughs> mm. quite, quite. So there you go. That's the imitation yeah. game. That's good. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm glad it was good. I'm, I will. Uh, I, sh- I shall seek it out. Probably not in the cinema. It doesn't seem like a film that. Uh, no, it, it's on, not necessary. That requires it's, the big screen. Yeah. No, it yeah. doesn't, and it probably uh, some privacy might help. Yeah. You know, to <laughs> yeah. actually yeah. sit in the Take dark and contemplate mm. what you're watching and what they're doing and how it works and the. I mean, the beauty of what I'd say Benedict Cumberbatch did do that, and that Alan Turing had serious. I mean, it, they don't mention it, but it's probably an autism. It's but to quite a degree, but to a degree where other people there that don't, you know, there's important military people there that don't take orders from anyone. But they realise that Alan Turing was important enough to, you know, let somebody beneath them talk to them in the way he did. But they, in mm. fact, they should have, they should be praised. I mean, they're probably not here anymore, but they should be praised for seeing past what they could have so mm. easily been offended by and go, you know what? I don't let anyone talk to me. I'm a bloody general for goodness sake, you know, mm. don't let anyone, but this man might save the world. And they saw that. And all the other people that worked with him probably going, oh, I'd love to throttle him. I can't mm. stand this man. <laughs> but they saw that. And there was lots of that in the film and it's really important. And th- there's lots of part of the story that isn't just about cracking a code. In fact, the cracking of the code is the least important part of the entire story. And that shows you how well it was written. And I'm going to shut up because it's really hard not to tell you stuff. (laughs) I'm going to stop. Go and watch it. It was wonderful. Well, on my list, because I'm going second, Tone, you will (laughs) take it the Um, I was... Can you refresh that? Sorry, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I didn't want to say go last because never mind. No. I was flicking through Audible uh, the other day, and um, I saw that uh, the the new Robert Galebraith book, of course, um, the uh, the J.K. Rowling book, um, had uh, had come out, and um, uh, Robert Glenister was um, was reading it. And uh, I, I kind of thought, well, I don't. I, I, I saw all of these reviews for this book on Audible. Basically, most of them said, "Oh, the book's not very good, but the performance is brilliant." Yeah, the book's not very good. The performance, yeah, Robert Glen, you know, Glenister really p- pulls out a really good, um, a really good reading of this. So I just clicked on his name, and uh, and, I, and I thought, ah, oh, look at that. He's he's read the Ghost which was turned into a film not long ago. It's a book by Robert Harris. It was turned into a, a film with uh, Pierce Brosnan and uh, Ewan McGregor. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. It's a good film. It's a good book. It's it's former British Prime Minister Adam Lang. He's kind of, you know, thinly based on uh, on Tony Blair. Did some nasty bits and pieces when he was in power, and now, he's, now he wants to write his, uh, you know, now he wants to write his book. And um, and it's 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 a it's a really well read book. I mean, so far there are there are a few differences between the novel and the film, but uh, I'm I'm very much a believer in seeking out the uh, seeking out the novel before you uh, before you watch the film. And yeah, it's 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 a really good performance. So if you if you're like me and you prefer to listen to your books rather than read the damn things, <laughs> then uh, then then yeah, I should uh, I should go for that. 
Uh, the next thing on the list is The Good Wife, season five. Just appeared on Netflix. I watched the first episode of season five. Very good, very good. Um, and uh, last on my list is Grim Fandango Remastered. I've been, I've been waiting for this. For nearly a year, I think it was about a year ago when I found out that they were actually remastering it. They were taking all the original game assets and um, yeah, tidying up the engine a bit. Um, they redid all the music, they reorchestrated all the music, which is when you first realise that they've actually redone all the music, it's slightly jarring because the voiceover stuff is all the original recordings from the you know, mid to late 90s. And some of them are a little bit sort of bit crushed. You know, it's kind of, yeah, that was recorded in 16-bit, wasn't it? Or you, you know, you got rid of the originals and now you can't find them anymore. So you're just using the original stuff from the, uh, from the original game. But uh, it's, the, the story, the, the original masterpiece story is still there. And um, it's, it's hilarious and it's, and it's fun. And it's, uh, it doesn't outstay its welcome either, Grim Fandango. It's quite, uh, as, a, as an adventure game goes... It's, uh, it, Do you skip the Grim Fandango? What? <laughs> very good. Why it's a shade of power. Right. It's very good. It's very good. Roy Kinnear was Rory Kinnear's dad. And just because you mentioned it, J.K. Rowling, my wife went mentioned this to me earlier because she read, well, she read the book, um, The Casual Vac- Vacancy, which was her... I don't know if it was the first one she did after Harry Potter, but it was one yeah, of the ones, and it wasn't the first really. one under a different, under yeah, a different name, exactly. wasn't it? Well, and she tried to keep it a secret, and it kind yeah. of yeah. it sort of didn't last. Yeah, it didn't but really that last. is coming to the BBC <laughs> as a three-part drama, starting on the fifteenth, starring who? February. Oh, starring who? This is very interesting. Eh? Rory Kinnear. Oh yeah, Simon Mc. <laughs> Bernie. Oh, yes. Michael Gambon. Really? Johnny Campbell. He directed it from a script for Sarah Phelps. There's a few other people because I recognise their faces, but I'm only looking it up here. There is, um, well, there's quite a long list of people because I, I can see uh, their faces in this picture. I just can't name them all, but they're all, all rather famous people. But anyway, I, I've lost the because um, I just I remember my wife saying it to me earlier, 15th of February on BBC One, and my wife was saying, oh, you know that book I read and I really enjoyed a J.K. Rowling's? And I went, yes, because it, it, mm. they made it into a film. They made it, and it turns out it's a TV film, but it's still a wow. film. It's still wow. a film. I so that we'll should be really cool. Down. There's a trailer that have just been uh, posted. And, uh, yeah, so my wife said it was a really good book. It's funny, I see the book cover and I think, yeah, I kept trying I to have, put that on the shelf because I kept seeing that on the floor mm, and wanting to move it. I have heard that the book is better than Kicking the Teeth. Uh, the sec- I've heard the second one is, mm. isn't really that much cop, but... Uh, okay. But uh, anyway, so that's coming in a few weeks. It, it should be good. Excellent. Mr. Tone, what is on your list, sir? Um, well, first up is more of the sort of remastered Star Trek. Now I've found that yeah, there's a channel on Freeview showing that. Um, been really enjoying those. You know, there, there are bits, you know, where they, they've tidied up a lot more than I thought, you know, in terms of, like, the effects. Because even though, as I discussed last time, they've tried to keep it, you know, the look in keeping, but then they've also, you know, they have their own CGI model of the Enterprise and things like that. So a lot of it is, you know, offers you different camera angles on certain shots. Mm. It's not jarring, though, is it? 
No, no, not at all. It's, I mean... It's the thing I've been impressed with. You wouldn't with. mistake it for the original, but it looks damn close. You know, it, it, you know, it doesn't... You know, considering you're using the original footage of obviously Kirk and so on, and all the actors, you know, and even some of the shots like, like say, the Guardian of Forever and things like that, you know, where you've got the sort of portal, you know, that doesn't look out of place for CGI, even though they've they've sort of really, really, you know, brought that back up to sort of stand away. It doesn't look like it's a wobbly cardboard thing. I think it was Balance of uh, Balance of Terror, the, one of the first, I think it's the first Romulan episode, I think he's Baron, mm. Balance of Terror, was one of the ones that a lot of people were looking forward to seeing. And that's, that's been tidied. Because device, yeah. Yeah, and also uh, the Doomsday Machine. Yes, I yes. haven't seen that one yet, but I am... Classic, you know, one of my favourite I think they're basically showing time. them in, you know, I mean, I, th- I think the first time I caught it, it was like episode four or five, something like that. Um, you know, things like the Corbinite Maneuver, which isn't heavy on special effects. but no, but it does look impressive. <laughs> yes, it still does. I mean, even, you know, what they've done with the original negative, you know, the actors filming, you know, you know that, that's been sort of brushed up, hasn't it, and re-scanned. Have you, have you seen The Menagerie? No, I haven't yet. Oh, I, because the, the that's men- the one made up of sort of the cage. Isn't yeah, the it? menagerie is, is is made up of of parts of the cage, and I tell you what, you take that original color footage from the cage, mop it up a bit, give it a high a high res scan, and it looks damn good. It, <laughs> See, that was the yeah, thing. Good. That was the thing because um, I think it was about somewhere in the mid nineties. I actually got. They actually put the cage on like BBC at one point. Yes, yeah. I think it was when they had a night, it was anniversary night for Star Trek, mm. and they were also having this sort of premiere of Voyager over here. Oh, right, yeah. So they, had, was- eight, they had the first Voyager in the same night, one yeah. of the films and a load of documentary stuff. Yeah, yeah. So when was the first Star Trek done? Uh, 68? Okay, yeah. so they were, they were yeah, still they were, using yeah. the old... Uh, Technicolor. Yes. Now, the, the reason I say that this is important is because of the way the color, here talking as a photographer, but the way the color worked back in those days, the, the you filmed, the colors weren't exactly the colors that they filmed. You had to use slightly different colors because it showed up wrongly, if you like, on the film. Yeah. So reds were actually oranges and greens. They had to sort of compensate. Yeah, yeah, they they compensated. Now, you can rescan those to produce using modern scanning. You scan it, and then Mm. you can adjust for real color. So one of the things you are seeing is the intention, not the attempted... uh, It was like almost like a filtration, and because Mm. that's the way the... the, um, the, it was, was it a transparency or negative? I, it probably was a transparency at the time yeah, in the film. Yeah. So um, it's the way the film picked it up. So they had to estimate colours. And, of course, the lighting would therefore be slightly off. So something that was, if it was fully lit, that would work red because it was really orange, would then look a wrong colour. It would go a bit browny because of the lighting wasn't completely on it at the time. Mm. But nowadays you can absolutely compensate that when you scan it and digitise it yeah. to bring it out. So every orange top is orange, no matter where he is on the screen and all the rest of it. So one of the things you're seeing is, in a funny way, is exactly what they wanted you to see back in the day, 
the original intent. Yeah, you'd have to yeah. be running around with someone with a spotlight to make sure they were fully <laughs> yeah. lit the whole time because colours weren't being reproduced as natural colours. You having to, mm. it was almost like a filtration, which the film couldn't pick it up, so you had to do yeah. other things with it. And it's it's interesting you say how, you know, when you were talking about the colours, how it brings it out and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's artificial, but it's artificial only because of it was the only way they could do it. And so I'm just trying to explain to you why the colours yeah. are so vivid. Nowadays, uh, you'd film it in digital and the colours yeah. would be spot on anyway. Which is, I mean, I mean, that it's almost like that's something they tried to recreate when they did Abrams' version of Star Trek, wasn't it? Because that, that is a lot of, all right, yes, he overdid the lens flares, but it's a lot of white backgrounds with these uniform colours that are very, very bright yeah. you know, on yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, but that originally is how how yeah. it would have been done. Yeah. I mean, it was technically really, really difficult to do, Yes, you know, because colour was an approximation of colour. And you also remember, mm -hmm. we're looking at it on the screen where orange is orange or green, red, green, and blue are red, green, and blue, right? When these were filmed, the, the screens, are, uh, uh, I think the American screens had a bias towards red and the British screens had a bias towards blue and things were different. Mm -hmm. uh, they had The line issue was a really big, problem then mm -hmm. because the 90 with the lines the way the lines were made up they were made up of three color sections you know and the balance on them was different and it was all it, it's amazing how well they did with the problems they had i mean we now yeah. you know you, you go and buy i don't know a video camera it doesn't even have to be expensive you point it roughly in the right direction it will capture most of what you want and if you light it reasonably well I'm not saying it's broadcast quality, but you can go and get a 300 pound. I don't know what a GoPro is, but a high-end HD GoPro, whatever it is. Mm. You can point that in the right direction. If you've got the right light, the camera will be sharp. It will be crisp. You do it in daylight. You've got no problem whatsoever. You know, but this was all studio stuff, right? So yeah, just, it just amazes me when you look at the technology, how blooming clever the, I mean, the directors and the actors were okay. The technicians yeah. were brilliant. And, and I don't know, in, in these days, I know you get awards in the Oscars for best this and best picture and best that, but it, it's a group of people sitting at computers playing around with things and putting things in the mm. background. Well, imagine when you didn't have any, you couldn't put things in the background and you had yeah, to I, get it there and then. Um, mm. I, just, I, just, I do, I'd, I'd take my hat off if I was wearing one to these guys and girls because they really... Mm. It's like the music, the way they yes. sort of oversampled yes. things to make things. Well, we talked about the Doctor Who music and how yes. that was originally written, right? <laughs> and there was a whole department in the BBC just to try and make some sort of sound effects. And it, it wasn't, mm. I can't remember what it's called. What's that? Um, the, the people that make noises and where well, there's a, I can't remember what they called it. Foley. You had mm. the Foley artists, right? And then you had another level. You had these things because synthesizers didn't exist. They were using mm. feedback and loops and things, and it was all done yeah, on exactly. well, yeah. And then did they, they were... Well, even visually, for the original sort of Doctor Who title, that was a visual feedback, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it, it, yeah. it's a mastery that... I mean, I bang on about my work, and I get, oh, you know, like people come along with a digital camera, and they say, make your photographer. And look, I mean, look, fair enough. If you weren't around when I had to learn my stuff, why the hell do you want to learn all this obsolete rubbish? Well, the reason you want to learn your obsolete rubbish because it makes this stuff more usable mm. you know and this is what they did back in the day and uh, mm. i just maybe that's what's wrong with star trek free or um what mm. you call it, uh the net yeah or the first three episodes of 
uh, Star Wars, which are actually the last three. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what's wrong with them, because it, it's done. Mm-hmm. It's done with a tool where the expertise needed for so, like you say with JJ Abrams, maybe put all those lens flares on because he needed to do something. He needed to make mm. something creative above and beyond pointing a perfectly focused camera in a perfectly lit environment and not having to worry because if that's not right, I will take it afterwards. You know, we didn't want that person there. Okay, we'll put him over there. You know, and it must be infuriating if you love your art to have your art basically point and shoot. And I'm not saying it is point and shoot, but it blimmin' well is compared to Mm. what these people have to do. So maybe that, I mean, it's completely going around in circles on your pick, but maybe that's (laughs) why some of these things don't work. The way they do, they do, and then you get something like Fargo that comes along, which is all about the art, which is all about the story, and they couldn't care if there was people walking around in the background of the snow that had just mm. left there. And then you get a masterpiece, Dragon, a girl with a dragon tattoo. What was that about? It was darkly shot. It was, you know, very few things, and it was. Mm. But now you want to do something as a masterpiece. You, there's no point of having Alfred Hitchcock. Because what's he going to direct? You know, he directed everything like it'd be one take. And nowadays, you wouldn't even bother having the backgrounds in. You say, well, they're all there, all there. Oh, that's not right, do that. So it, it has lost something by being yeah. too easy. I, don't I, mean, know. I, I do sort of, you know, like the whole, you know, because a lot of stuff I watched around the time I discovered Star Trek in my youth, that was also when, we, when you were getting all the Jerry Anderson-type shows coming yeah. back and you could see the model effects on there. And... That was what I hated about the new movie of that, you know, Thunderbirds. It was all CGI. It, you know, they turned it into a completely different thing as well, but we'll ignore that part of it. But the look just wasn't right. So maybe, I mean, that's I, one I, thing I, about the new Star Wars. They're actually, you know, they've actually built some of the model sets, haven't they? And things like yeah, well, that. Yeah, well, just they've learned their lesson, you know. I mean, yeah. Disney, funnily enough, might be the right people to do this because yeah. they've got a history of being able to make cartoons modern cartoons that yeah. still have the feel of old cartoons, but they're still doing it on a computer. Mm. You know, I mean, it was like when they, not Disney, but who, um, when they did the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings type stuff, it, a lot of it was computer done, but they went to New Zealand. They found the right locations. They did all the things that they yeah. probably didn't need to do. Yeah. But what came out of it is somehow that affected the story in a way that made it more real. Mm. And I just wonder, I mean, I feel a bit, almost feel a bit sorry for these people. But like, I can only say, last thing, it's like photography. Film is making something of a comeback because there comes a point. It's like music had it. Everything was synthesized in the 90s because of synthesizers were finally usable and all the rest of it. And then the noughties come along and everyone went, that was rubbish. Can <laughs> I have a dr- I want a drummer. I want someone that knows how to play a musical mm. instrument. And maybe, maybe, and there's hope, filmmaking. I mean, like I say, the imitation game, like, there probably was some effect in there, but I'm damned if I could see it. It was about making a story, and maybe they'll get back to that. <laughs> maybe because of the gadgets there and all the rest of it, mm. they'll play their games. But J.J. Abrahams, I don't know, maybe because he's done everything he's done, he'll then come back. I mean, look at Prometheus. Why did people get sick of Prometheus? Because it was all about the toys. It wasn't about the story. Mm. You know, anyway, I'm going to shut up. Sorry. Mm. I'm glad you're enjoying it. (laughs) I was going to say the, the, uh, the, the cage, 
uh, it was completed in early 1965, so even earlier. Yes, but it, of course, it was, I thought, yeah. it was originally rejected. Uh, yeah, cause it, yeah, because it was in '66, the original. Yeah, yeah but and, uh, I, and the weird thing was though, when I did watch that, I preferred that to the pilot they came up with after. Well, that's the thing because I've always thought that the pilot of of the original series is the original series is more like a Next Generation episode, and of course, NBC threw it out because it was too cerebral. Yeah, a bit too intellectual, but uh, no, it's, it's definitely worth uh, these these yeah. um, the all of the remastered yeah. stuff is is worth watching from the original series to the the films. You know, the HD um, scans yeah. of the films are all good. I'll just take yeah. the DS nine next. Absolutely. It's it's something where they've actually put the effort into that remastering rather than just oh we'll just chuck a sheet CGI shot in here sort of thing, which is like what they did with Red Dwarf. Oh dear, let's not get onto that. But again, yeah. that, that, that's yeah. another thing, isn't it? It's yeah. a new technology that people are learning how to use. It's a case of just because you can, does it mean you should? And if you should, what should you do? Do you remember when they were colourising films? Are you too old enough to remember when they didn't have colour I think films? I've seen some colourised films, yeah. yeah they I've were. Seen oh, dreadful. they were vulgar. Yeah. But now, they don't colourise films. And if they do, it's so subtle, it's it's nice. Yeah, I, I think I've seen a few examples of yeah. oh, probably something like Fireball XL5 where they've added the colour in. Uh, you know, it's after. like, yes, we can do this. <laughs> Yes, let's have a it's bright like, orange background. Like, you know, yes, you can, if you're going to do it, do it. Please do it well, not just a yeah. quick quick job like to make a, a book. Yeah. yeah, it's like everything, though. You need to get through learning what the capabilities through that phase are. Of it. Yeah. And then going, oh, no, sod that. 3D, another one. They don't <laughs> 3D-fy everything. If you do what's saying 3D, it's very minimal. It's just about the right amount to make it work, not too much that you actually feel sick. Yeah, and they exactly. find their way, and the only way to do it is the Instagram effect. You put all the filters you can on top of everything, and eventually you go, actually, that could do with a little bit of uh, levels, but it doesn't need anything more. And that's where we are at the moment, I hope. Let's hope. What else is on your list, Tone? <laughs> I mean, yeah, going a bit less... Uh... <laughs> How much can we talk about Insane Fight Club 2? <laughs> well, it is, a, it, it is, yeah, it's basically a follow-up to something I watched last year and I did mention Was it called Insane, Insane Fight Club, the thing you how, originally How watched? did you guess this? Oh, uh, you know, I'm on a roll. Today. Yeah, it was, uh, for, the, for those who don't remember, which is probably most people, it was a documentary. The people, invo- the people involved can't remember it either. Yeah. Well, they are Scottish, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they might have brain damage from being in insane fight club. But no, it was a you know it was a little documentary following a, a Scottish wrestling promotion based in Glasgow. Um, this is just like a year later. They've actually sort of got a lot more exposure from this, and you know they've got a bigger presence on YouTube. They're actually sort of doing more collaborations, that, and that it has expanded from what it was when they did the first sort of. I think it was eight months they spent filming the first one um this is sort of a recap of the last year where they've had you know the, the shows they're doing have got bigger and bigger and they've had the challenge of you know delivering to those audiences um they've they've come down into england you know come south of the border to tour as well and it was basically following that but with the same sort of core group of guys um i've got to say i did prefer the first one <laughs> Because there wasn't really much here that I haven't already seen because I've followed them since the first one. Did they do it in HD with lens flare and added colour? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wrestling always looks better in... in Did they remaster it? Yeah. (laughs) 
but no, it's you know, it's it was more the sort of story about you know this this because it started out as a group of friends almost, and then others sort of got brought in as well. Um, but yeah, it was an enjoyable little part two of it. Um, like I said, I think I preferred the original, but you know, the first one, but because it was a whole new thing, sort of I was exposed to then, you know, in a way. So I've followed this company, you know, sort of through YouTube and sort of social media, which is where they become big in a way. Um, so nothing that I saw was a huge surprise, which kind of spoiled it. It was just sort of more behind the scenes stuff of that. Um, and then my last thing, <laughs> It was uh, it's sort of in the, in the early hours of, sort of late hours of last night, early hours of this morning, um, that Festival of Americana, the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but it, it's this one thing I've watched for probably about 20 years now, since I was sort of first in school, staying up late to do my homework, I had the TV on in the background, American football would be on, and it would actually catch my attention. You know, sort of what you know what was going on, and it's a it's a game I've grown to enjoy. You know, from from then, you know, and for once, the team I was actually rooting for won. Fantastic. Although it was looking very <laughs> very close at the end of it. I mean, I, I was I, I just sitting it was there. A bit of a good game for a change. Yeah, well, compared to last year, last year was just one sided, but there've been a couple of good ones over. I mean, even the halftime show. This year, even though it was Katy Perry, which isn't going to be everyone's taste. Nothing wrong with Katy Perry. Exactly. But it's not, it's not going to be everyone's taste, is it? Yeah, but she doesn't take herself seriously. No, no, she doesn't. And, well, when you have dancing sharks and beach balls on the stage. I saw those, yeah. It was... It was, it was <laughs> yeah, I saw those. You can hardly miss those. <laughs> I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it, say, more than, like, when The Who tried to do the halftime, you know, show and things like that. She has and, a wonderful comedic value to her. Yes. Yeah, because that's the whole thing. She tries to be almost like a cartoon, yeah. which is if if that's what you're going for, brilliant, absolutely. Well, she's absolutely managed it, works. hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like to it. <laughs> it's like you know, like I say, it's not to everyone's taste, but I do enjoy it. I tell you what was on during the uh, Super Bowl, the latest Minions trailer. <laughs> yeah, that I did see. But I did see a few of the adverts. Like there's a there was a good one that was a parody of the Brady Bunch. But it had uh, Steve Buscemi in it. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. As one, the, as one of the girls from the Brady Bunch. I just think it's... Re- I don't... Well, we obviously, we don't do it here because of, mm. you know, our, our existence isn't basically fully commercialised. Everything we mm. breathe isn't... But the Super Bowl, I, I swear, has more to do with the halftime show and the adverts... Then it's got anything to do with a game of gets the attention, yeah. well, That famous Apple 1984 ad was a that was a Super Bowl ad, wasn't it? Didn't they do the uh, Budweiser? Mine's a Bud. Didn't that come from there? Yeah. Or what's up? Or and however, quite, they yeah, did quite it. a few of the Budweiser campaigns yeah. from down the years, like the one with the lizards and things like that. Yeah. See, if it had been I in mean, this country, there would have been a uh, you know a Betty drinks Carling Black Label advert or something. Like no, in, in yeah. this country, the only time you get it is when Cadbury's used to launch something ha- half time in Coronation Street. The cream eggs are out. That yeah, is, but that, that, that was that was the equivalent. Yeah. It was half time in a Coronation Street advert. But um, no, no, I used to watch it, and to be honest, I looked at the clock and I went, you know what? Watch this 
I have a good night's sleep. And the Super Bowl didn't get a look in. Fair but Star uh what's it called? And the Next Generation did because I've only got about five left, and I want to. I want to do them. You had to be fresh for tonight's podcast. Well, yeah, yeah. So I I, I went to bed at a, at a reasonable time, and I got up about four o'clock this afternoon to make sure I was ready. But, I mean, John, well, they kept running this sort of ad campaign for it. It's like, oh, you're going to need a sickie. It's like, well, anyone who's really into the game that much, sort of, you know, to the level that I have the interest in it. Surely, you know, I've, I've booked the time off. Did you know, and this is factual, because it was on the one show, today is National Sickie Day. Today is the day that most people take a, a sickie, you know, a, mm. I'm not really ill, but I don't want to go in. And it's this Monday. And I don't know if this is just something that happens in America or, or because people do watch the Super Bowl, there's some statistic. But... Uh, today apparently is the number one day for people pulling sickies on a Monday. Someone from they my team at work did actually call in sick today. Yeah, but he might have actually been sick. Uh, maybe so. I mean, I used to do the old Super Bowl party, but I had nothing. Yeah. I don't even remember watching the game. I remember getting home about six o'clock in the morning thinking I didn't know I could ever drink that much. Yeah. And then uh, thinking about going to work at nine and then thinking that's not going to happen. No is chance, it? yeah. <laughs> especially I was in the hospital at the time and I thought someone might die if I go to work today oh yeah. dearie me well there we <laughs> go it has become a thing though hasn't it, it has, yeah I mean it's, it's, it's slowly it's leached its way in yeah it's growing over here in the same way that they're trying to grow you know, what we call football over there no 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 what is football let's face yeah. it what is yeah. football yeah one part country plays this really weird version of rugby calls it mm. football and the rest of the planet play football <laughs> but um well they yeah, decide to call it soccer don't they soccer mm. soccer yeah. no soccer and then this is going to really be painful but soccer is actually the official name of it yes uh, because it's association football and that's where you get soccer yeah, from. No, that's where soccer comes from so yeah, i never knew that but yeah so i think i i blame channel four because i remember very early on i when I first started doing it, it was pre-Channel 4 showing it, and it was actually a satellite stream, and you all had yeah. to meet up in a venue, and they streamed it by satellite. Yeah, and then sort of... In and the, it used to cost you 30 quid a head, and you were yeah. going to make the most I mean, of e- it. Even the BBC had it for a while as well. It's not a BBC thing. It's a Channel 4 no. thing. It is a Channel 4 it thing. Channel 4. Channel 5 had it. I remember a few years, Channel so 5 I'm had it. sure Channel 5 had it once, didn't they? At least a few years, but it was sort of early, like around 2000 they had it, I think. And then it reverted back to Channel 4 the last few years. Well, no, I think it was last year after the BBC had it. Because the BBC, I mean, they've tried to expand over here to the point where they're having free Wembley games a year. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and the BBC did have yeah. the right to those originally. Now Channel 4 have got it. And Not exactly much as I like the BBC, <laughs> yeah, Channel 4 is a better home for it, even if even if you don't like it, Vernon Kay or whoever else presenting it. It fits Channel 4's mandate. You know, it's yes. the slight... From, from back in the original... But they don't... Yeah. We don't do it as a homage to American football. We do it as a, oh, my word, look at these stupid Americans. Look what they like. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I mean, I don't want anyone to be offended, but that's exactly what they're doing. It's oh, like, dear. can you believe the fuss this lot make over that? Let's watch the halftime show because none of us care about the game. Right? And that's what it's about. I mean, that's why Channel 4 are so good at it. There is a game going on, and that's yeah. when we get drunk, and at halftime we all yeah. bleary-eyed enough to enjoy the halftime show. 
and then we get plastered and then we have to go home in the middle of the night and think what the heck am i doing at minus four degrees 20 miles away from home trying to find a cab at five o'clock in the morning and that's super bold to us to the americans because i don't know why to their convenience they happen to do it during their daytime that's very selfish of them i must say but they, uh, you know, it, it's well, probably, you have a Super Bowl evening, a party, you get drunk and you go home, you get home at 10 o'clock and you can get up in the morning. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm glad we didn't have the sort of American coverage in a way, because I think the channel that was covering it in America had 11 and a half hours oh. of total coverage. Yeah, I know, Brilliant. but 10 and a half of that were adverts. Mm. Yeah, it's like, it's like, you, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's a, sadly, it's a trend that's creeping in over here with some sports. Yeah, where you well, get F1, that one for instance yes, an hour's build up well an hour's build up is reasonable an hour's build up is reasonable but Sky sometimes on their channel they do like two three hours build up that you don't really need you don't actually need to watch it yeah you know exactly. we've got we've got F1 down to a T in my house I put it on I walk out the room as and the race my little, starts yeah. no and then my little one comes in and goes dad the lights are coming on and we go in and we wait for the first yeah. bend to see if they all crash. And if they don't, we all go out again and come back about lap 50. Yeah. And mm. we have more fun than anyone else. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's the uh, <laughs> Looking forward to F1 starting back up. When, do, when does the F1 season start back up? Um, it'll be March because they're just sort of doing all the tests. They're doing the first test. Sort of they've done that over the last few days. So you've oh. seen... Just yeah, some of the new drivers that are swap teams are coming out in their new colours for the first time, and I have to make sure I get my Twitter mutes ready for Tone. <laughs> Aww, poor old Tone. I'd like F one, but I just don't like seeing. I, I, you know, like those cartoon characters where you see someone going red, and you get you can picture them with steam coming out of their ears. I see, like it always starts off quite pleasant in the beginning of the season. It's not so bad. And by mid-season, he's slightly losing it. And by the end of the season, he's apoplectic. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, okay, we've got a couple of months room to carve down here. It all starts mm. again. Fair enough. Oh, well, dear. Well, there we go. That's, I, I think that's a show. You know what? I think I had fun tonight. Yeah. So yeah. It's a nice show. It's good. And if it's long, well, it was good. So enjoy it. It was, yeah. yeah. Well, we started what we've been watching about 50 minutes ago. So <laughs> yeah, we actually got quite a nice conversation about the uh, digitization of the mm. uh, of Tone's pick, really. Indeed, yeah. I've not. I really. I don't think <laughs> you'd we, like to rephrase that. <laughs> I mean, that insane Fight Club Two thing. I think that went way over my head. But the rest of it was great. There we go. There we go. And you right. said something about some game, but I weren't listening. Indeed. Well, let's. let's it's all. It's been all about the remasters this week, hasn't it? Right. Let's. Let's find out where we can find you, Alex. Where can we find you, your goings-on, everything you've been doing, all the stuff that you're getting up to at the moment, everything you're involved in, and what are you doing? Is that enough? Would you like some more? No, that'd be all right. Um, very British view. I said it six times in my head. <laughs> still going to read it. <laughs> um, what else am I doing? There's a G Plus community now for that uh, Sherlock things, um, and I'm going to tell you what it's called because I can't remember. It's just called the Sherlock Holmes Podcast. It's a G Plus community. We've only just started it. And we've got 14 members within the first couple of hours, which is really nice. And we've put a few bits and pieces on it. I've stuck um, I've stuck the show on, which Russ was kind enough again. Thank you very much, Russ, for letting us jump on your stream. Um, I've put a link on there so you can watch Dressed to Kill, which was a Rathbone Bruce movie because they're out of copyright. 
We've got some news up there already. Um, I've got the Arthur Conan Doyle video of the interview he gave in in 1930. So I've put that on there as well. And there's bits and pieces. I really want to keep on top of this community. I really want to, you know, make any information. So everything that happens that we refer to, I will put on there. And um, I hope people do join in because whether you listen to the podcast or not, I think it could be a fun community, irrelevant of whether you want to listen to any nonsense I talk. So, you know, if you do want to, if you've got any interest in it, just join it. Because uh, let's face it, I, I know more about Sherlock Holmes than anything other than probably photography. And uh, I'm damn sight more passionate about Sherlock Holmes than anything else. So, um, yeah, and Sarah, who does this with me, Sarah Jane Gray, who, uh, you know, does airways as well with us sometimes. Sarah's um, my partner in crime. And what Sarah doesn't know about Sherlock Holmes isn't worth knowing. So, um, yeah, please join in. And well, I hope it becomes big because I think I think it could just be fun just to be a part of the community, whether you want to be a, you know, listen to anything mm. or not. So uh, do find us on G Plus at the Sherlock Holmes podcast. We will, you know, do maybe do Twitter handles. I don't know because I'm really lazy. I won't remember it anyway. Um, but I will, you know, we will have a website and stuff in coming. But we're aiming to do this only monthly. Because we we want to work on a production value rather than because um, it's not news based, nothing happens within a month, mm. you know. So uh, let's just make sure we put out something worthwhile. So uh, please find us there. Great stuff, great stuff. Thank you for coming back, sir. And finally, Tone, where can we find you and your goings on? Uh, on the Twitter's Tone Seven X Twenty. Well, be the gateway to pretty much anything else. Excellent, excellent, yeah. excellent. And as as Tone continues to settle into his new pad, you can find me. I approve. Me. I approve. The sound yeah. is so much better. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent stuff. You can find me on Twitter at SFDrum. That's all we have for this show. If you want to get in touch, drop us a line at airwavesshow at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment at the-airwaves.com or you can get us on Twitter at airwavescast or you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or... If, you, if you're into that Google Plus stuff, you can go over to Google Plus, click on the Communities tab, and do a search for The Airwaves. We will return next week with a brand new episode of The Airwaves. But until then, take care, everybody. Good night. Bye-bye. UK once again bringing us the story this time bridesmaid star brilliant is that her Klingon name yeah probably bridesmaids co-star Kristen you know what Wiig. I was trying to read that and I really couldn't work out where you got that letter. No. I was thinking oh it's a Norwegian um. bridesmaids co-stars Kristen Wiig that's all we have for this show if you want to get in touch drop us a line at airwavesshow at gmail.com or you can there goes my phone somebody's calling me two seconds <laughs> he's got some strange ringtone on there isn't he? you know what he's going to cut that out yeah that's not even going to be a bit at the end no what I don't get is why he's sitting on the floor talking because <laughs> my phone's I he down collapsed. here right <laughs> That's all we have for this show. (laughs) First time it's rung in so long that he collapsed that shot.